Truth Still Matters, episode number 24. Come one, come all. Welcome to the Catholic Podcast. Truth Still Matters. The human person is made for truth. Despite this dictatorship of relativism, we breathe every day. This podcast exists in the stream of the new evangelization championed by Pope John Paul the Great and continue with Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and Pope Francis. We will have the opportunity to learn and reflect on the timeless truths revealed by God and deposited in the Catholic Church. If you're looking for apologetics or theology that can be applied to your life right now, you've found a new home. Stop drowning in the world of opinion and embrace yourselves for truth still matters. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Truth Still Matters. Today's topic is one that is near and dear to my heart. The topic, the sacrament of confession or reconciliation or penance. A lot of times, Catholics are challenged about this sacrament. Why in the world? Would you confess your sins to a priest? Doesn't the Bible say that it's God alone that forgives us of our sins? Very interesting objection. Have you ever been challenged with that? Or have you had that question yourself? Well, hold on, because we will have a chance by God's grace to explore that legitimate objection and hopefully be able to respond. Sin. Unfortunately, sin is a reality that affects all of us. We can't get around it. We live in a fallen world. First John tells us, that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're liars. Paul tells us in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What comes to mind is a, a mighty multimillionaire. You probably remember him. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was extremely influential and on his deathbed he experienced a conversion his servant was singing him one of those old spiritual hymns I believe it was entitled um, come ye poor sinner or, or something to that effect and acknowledge that we all have sinned and as the servant fervently and with a lot of zeal sang this spiritual hymn, Vanderbilt came to a conversion 
and he recognized that regardless of how much money he had, he was still a sinner in need of grace. And God knows we're in this hole of sin. Sin is more than just a broken rule or regulation. Sin is missing the mark. And what is the mark? The mark is an intimate, personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he draws us into the bosom of the Father by the power and person of the Holy Spirit. Sin is a broken relationship and we are not the same when we are apart from God. We were created by God and for him, meaning to enjoy a covenant relationship, a family relationship where we can cry out, not just creator God, but Abba, Father, that we can be a child of God. And out of God's great mercy, he gives us the sacrament of penance. St. John Paul the Great identified this sacrament as not just a theoretical statement or not just a theoretical teaching where the church lists a bunch of do's and don'ts. In his encyclical, he stated that this sacrament is specifically tied to the mission of the church, and that is to carry out Christ's redemptive work in the world today. It is through this sacrament that we undergo a conversion where we confess, where we say out loud our sins, which is so healthy for us. When we share our sins, when we share our burdens, that burden is cut in half, just on the natural level. But when you incorporate that into the supernatural level, in the sacrament, we can receive forgiveness from Almighty God. It's via this sacrament that we have a chance to meet Christ because that is the only way that we can be reconciled. That is the only way that we can live free. That is the only way that we can live that abundant life that Jesus promised to give us because that's what Christianity is all about. And I know you've heard me say this time and time again, and I'll keep saying it. Christianity is about the life of Christ being reproduced in us, where we live, move, and have our very beings in God himself. This great gift was given to us by Jesus himself in the New Testament. But this New Testament gift was not given in a vacuum. This was building on what God had been doing in the Old Testament. Take a look at Leviticus chapter 5 and Leviticus chapter 19. We see here that God has established a quote-unquote ministerial priesthood known as the Levites. And this priesthood would stand on behalf of the people to intercede between the people and God. When the people of God would commit a certain sin, they were commanded to bring a sin offering, a guilt offering in the form of a ram. And they would have to bring this ram to the priest and the priest would make sacrifice. Specifically, they would make atonement for the sins of the people. And look at that word atonement. If you break it down, 
you can read it in its own English as at one minute. The priest would serve as reconciling the people back to God, bringing them to a oneness back to God. And this prefigured, this foreshadowed the ultimate sacrifice, not of a ram, but of the lamb, the true lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and that is Christ Jesus. Let's fast forward to the New Testament. On Easter Sunday, when the apostles are in the upper room and they are scared, ladies and gentlemen, their leader has just been crucified. They are followers and they're scared out of their minds. The doors are locked. And Jesus walks into the room. Wait a minute. I thought you just told me the doors were locked. They were. That doesn't stop the glorified Jesus in his glorified body of walking through the door. He comes in. And think about it. I know we've heard this time and time again. But if someone walks through the door on you, <laughs> you're going to flip out. I know I would flip out. And Jesus knew that they were flipping out. And he says, peace. Take it easy. Peace be unto you. Jesus knows what we need. And he breathes on them and says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. And this is before Pentecost. This is before the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that unprecedented way where you and I can be temples of the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. And that takes me back to Genesis. Because in Genesis, the spirit of God or the Ruah in Hebrew is hovering over the waters. And this was the state at the first creation. Jesus now, the God man, is now breathing on them the spirit of God. It's like he's recreating them. And he is. He's recreating them with this new gift that we might be born again, that we might be able to start over again, that we might have that life reproduced in us that we might meet God in a new and more impactful and personal way. And after he breathes on them and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whose sins you retain, they are retained. Now, how in the world would they be able to forgive and retain the sins of the people if they don't know the sins? Well, it's obvious the people of God would come to them and confess their sins, enabling them to forgive or retain based on the wisdom and grace of God. This is a great gift given to the church. Look at James. James talks about confessing sins to one another. And many Christian communities take that as, hey, I can just air out my dirty laundry with my brother and sister in Christ. And don't get me wrong, there is something to be gained in that. A burden shared is a burden cut in half. But don't expect absolution. What is absolution? Where God will cut us away from our sin, where the guilt will be removed from us. And only God can do that. And if you take a look at James, this is not just talking about confessing our sins to our brothers and sisters in Christ. The context is they are calling over an elder of the church. And an elder in the Greek comes from presbyteroi, 
where we get our English term priest from. So they're confessing their sins to priests in this context of James. Look at Matthew 16, where Jesus gives Peter the keys of the kingdom. The Council of Trent identifies the power of the keys as tying in with the power to forgive and to lose from sin. This is serious, ladies and gentlemen, because the diseases that affect us are not just the diseases of the body. The Catechism of the Council of Trent identifies sin as a disease that eats away at us, eats away at our souls. And we need to find a remedy to this or we will literally die alive. There are a lot of people walking around that are dead on the inside. The Catechism of the Council of Trent goes on to describe this opportunity of confessing our sins as a self-accusation. And the reason why Trent identifies this as an accusation is because she doesn't want us to go around bragging about our sins. And hey, sometimes we do that. You know, we get past our sins and then we want to look back. And when we're around other people, we want to, we, we might tend to sound like, oh, if you would have known me back in the day, you know, and we kind of want to brag about it. Mm -mm. No, the church encourages us to stay away from that haughty kind of attitude and to humble ourselves, to accuse ourselves of this great crime, okay, of this great tragedy of sin because it is ugly. It's this sin that ultimately brought our Savior to the cross. And the graphicness of Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ shows how horrific the effects of our sin were on Jesus himself. Oh, the early church is in continuity with this practice of confession. The Didache, which is known as the early teachings of the 12 apostles, identifies people coming into the church, acknowledging their sins. Confession played a particular role in my personal conversion. In my young adulthood, I wanted to, I was tired of talking a good religious game. I was tired of wanting to believe and I, I'm thinking I'm believing in Christ, but I don't have that contact with Christ. I wanted a relationship. I wanted to know that God was real and that he loved me, not just all of us, but me in a personal way. And it, it seemed as if all of my efforts were failing me. And I had a talk with my dad, and my dad told me, well, he asked me, Mike, when was the last time you went to confession? And it had been 20-something years since I had been to confession. It, it was back in grade school was the last time. So I said, hey, I have nothing to lose. I'll try it. I went into that confessional, and I will never forget it. I laid out every sin that I committed as, as much as I could remember, and I went into detail, ladies and gentlemen, and I just laid it out. And I was able to hear the words of absolution. The priest stands in the person of Christ. God alone forgives sins, but he, in his own wisdom, established a priesthood that he uses to communicate his forgiveness to you and I. And I heard the priest say, I absolve you of your sins. And when I heard that I, it was Christ speaking to me. And I left that confessional 
feeling high as a kite. <laughs> the legitimate high. <laughs> that sober intoxication that, that Father Cantalamesa talks about in his book on the Holy Spirit. I had no idea I was carrying that load, that burden. I had grown used to it. But when I confessed and that burden was lifted, I said, whoa, thank you, Lord. And I, I share that experience to encourage you, not just during the Lenten season, and, and this is a good time to um, get active in the sacrament of confession, but anytime, take this gift as a time to start over right now, when you are convicted of something wrong, you confess. You don't wait until you get to a priest. No, the church doesn't teach an either or here. You confess straight to God and to the priest. God knows we need both. We go right to God directly with contrition and hopefully a perfect act of contrition that we might be made one with God. We're sorry because God is so wonderful. And it's so holy that to commit a, a sin against him is so uh, inappropriate, so unjust to his majesty. And we also are commanded to confess to a priest. Take advantage and do it now. Ladies and gentlemen, you can clean the slate. Well, it's God cleaning the slate, but he's giving us an opportunity to not put off the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. And I pray to God that I don't harden my heart and that we come together to lift up his name forever and ever. Amen. Higher than the clouds in the sky, when I close my eyes, I can't speak with you. I can't speak with you. I get so high, higher than the clouds in the sky, when I close my eyes, I can't with God, I can't speak with you. Raising up my heart and my mind, I get high. I dig deep into my brain, I meditate with a silent heart, I talk to God and listen. Before a crucifix, in the closet, lights off. Burning intense within the darkness, feeling like heaven. Got a spiritual high, feeling blessed. It's the same thing I feel when I'm done confessing. Feeling brand new again and again. Just repenting, giving all I am to our best friend, Christ Jesus. Conversating with him while I'm healing. It's like another world, and I feel the realness. It's like paradise here on earth. Bad nights, healing my hurt is Christ. As I'm seeing the light, this person red and white. Divine mercy, his heart opens up and nourishes me. Again, spiritually high. Tallest building, piercing the sky. When I reconcile with God, I believe I can fly in a state of ecstasy from adoration. Whether when I'm praising or in the closet praying, it's amazing like stargazing. It's like a trip to the moon without a spaceship, just bodily flowing with my eyes closed, still kneeling down. But it feels powerful, like an out of body experience. I'm telling you, it's mysterious. Dialoguing with the one true imperious, pure spirit and divine gets me higher than all drugs combined. Get higher and higher every single time.